Hey, everybody, it's Ron Johnson, and this is Locked On Sports Minnesota on the Locked On Podcast Network. It's Friday, so you know what that means. It's time for the roundtable. We are missing a few faces. Reggie Wilson, Sam Ekstrom, they will not be joining us today because uh, they're they're soft. You know, we know Sam's on vacation. Reggie is on a plane headed to Cincinnati to get ready for this Bengals-Vikings game. But, of course, we had to call the A-team uh, minus two, I guess we'll call us. We got Luke Inman, uh, Spinman, the producer who does it all. We got Julia Daniels. For those of the Minnesotans that don't know her, she's with Care 11. Uh, she shows up to the games dressed to the nines, whether it's Jordans, high heels, leather pants, boots, whatever it Versatile. is. Julia's always dressed up. She's going to have a cat that runs back and forth, people. So don't do that. Do not be alarmed. She knows the cat's there. And, of course, I'm Ron Johnson, former Gophers and NFL wide receiver, the host of the Ron Johnson Show on Locked On Sports Minnesota. You can find us on YouTube, Amazon Fire and Roku, so please make sure you guys do that. Also, I want everybody to know that this show is brought to you by FanDuel. But before I get into this FanDuel read, people, we got to get this. Let's let's get the menu set first. Let me let me set this locked on. Let's get locked in on this show. So, Luke, what you got for us? Yeah, Ron, let's talk about Kurt Warner's tweet about Josh Dobbs getting benched and what the pros are with Nick Mullins on her center this week. Julia. And we'll, of course, talk about the Wolves' best team in the league. Nas Reed's huge performance last night. And what's going on with the Wild? And for me, I mean, I heard the rumors. NIL is not what it's supposed to look like. You just saw a couple universities, their girls basketball, boys basketball, and gymnastics teams all got cars. It's a lease, people, but they got cars. We saw Utah football all get cars. But is $20 million too much? It's $30,000 too much. I'll tell you what those numbers mean when we talk about it. I'll tell you this. I'll, I'll, I'll spoil it a little bit in the open, make sure you guys stick around. There's a rumor that $30,000 was given to a Gophers player to play in the bowl game. We'll talk about that. Is that too much? Is that not enough? Is NIL doing what it's supposed to do? Also, I want everybody to know, today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel. Make every moment more. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets. That's $150 in bonus bets. All you have to do is bet five bucks. Bet five bucks, and if you win, you get the 150 bucks of their money, not your money. And then you can free roll from there. You're playing with house money, people. And if your team wins, of course, you have to win to win this. But again, that's their money, 150 bucks. So visit fanduel.com backslash locked on to get started. Well, we got to jump into the show, Luke. Everything with, with, with Minnesota sports right now, it, it's kind of up and down. And now the Vikings actually have a chance to win the NFC North. They just have to win. It's in their control. I think we say this every year. The Vikings have the season in their control. They can control their own destiny. Luke, explain your point, though. Well, not sure if you saw it, guys, but Kurt Warner tweeted out he did not think Josh Dobbs should be benched because, you know, he got no help from his playmakers. We talked about that last week, seven drops in that Raiders game and some other reasons he listed. And personally, you know, after watching four or five games with Josh Dobbs, now I think Dobbs shouldn't be benched for performance reasons per se, but more so for offensive fit reasons, if that makes sense. Like, I think he played fine. I think he and Mullins played about the same level versus the Raiders. But the big reason I would prefer Mullins is because 
He knows the offense in the playbook better than Dobbs does. That's just the bottom line. And, and that means you can run side adjustments in your routes. You can run multiple plays in the huddle and kill those plays. You, you don't have to work on your mesh technique on read options, something they haven't been able to do with Dobbs so far this year. So the stuff that Dobbs does really well is a large majority of things that I think the Vikings haven't repped enough this year. And so I don't think the other 10 players on offense can execute those things to the level that needs to be executed if you want to go win playoff football games in this league. So Mullins, I think, plays the style of football that the Vikings in KOC have been practicing all year. He knows the plays. He knows how those plays need to play out and unfold pre and post snap as well. He knows how to kill those plays, check plays, audibles at the line of scrimmage. And he plays, most importantly, guys, within the rhythm, within the timing of the offense. So I think you got to go with Nick Mullins this week, not because he's necessarily the better quarterback per se, but because he's going to run this offense the way it was meant to be ran. And in turn, all 11 guys now are going to be able to work in unison and be on the same page far more than they were with Josh Dobbs under center. That's what it all boils down to this week, in my opinion. True. Um, couldn't agree more. <laughs> <laughs> Every single well said. Let's wrap up. Let's get yeah, out of that's here. It. That's right. it, guys. I, I, you know, I always have a, a few notes that I make before I come on the podcast every week. And it literally goes, reads exactly what you said, Luke. Um, number one, the communication between Nick Mullins and Kevin O'Connell is automatically going to be better, right, than mm -hmm. a guy that came in a few weeks ago. Um, like you said, KOC said the same thing. Nick Mullins came in the game. His rhythm was better. He got the guys going a little bit better than – we saw with Josh Dobbs just because it's so much more familiar to him than it is. Also, he knows the guys better. He he talked about that in his presser this week, and, and he said he, he can joke around with the guys, and they tell him, like, he's being too loud in the huddle, or, or they can tell him things like that just because they, they know him better. Um, but I at the end of my notes, I, I say it all goes back to just how comfortable he is in a system, which is exactly what you said, Luke. I mean – wouldn't say talent-wise necessarily. Nick Mullins is more talented than Josh Dobbs is, more athletic than Josh Dobbs is. But when it comes down to having a coach like Kevin O'Connell who has spent so much time on this offense in particular, and it's such a particular offense that Nick Mullins does fit better in it because he's just had more time with it. Mm -hmm. Well, I got a couple points here. And I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm try to keep it quick. I got a couple points here, and I think both of you are dead on with what you said. First of all, let me address Kirk Warner, Hall of Famer Kirk Warner. My my first point about Kirk Warner is when a Hall of Famer speaks, you listen. Similar to, and I'm not calling him a, a Hall of Famer, Cam Newton, but the fact that Cam Newton can make comments about game managers and game changers, and people get so up in their feelings about Cam Newton that they don't talk about the point. They don't talk about the point. They attack the man. And that's what the problem, I think, with, with media today and social media even is like people don't attack points. They attack people. Uh, I get it all the time. Like when I make a comment sometimes and people don't agree with it, they go back to the, oh, you, you only played like three or four years in the NFL. You only had like two touchdowns in the NFL. Like, bro, but like what did you do? Like, like, you know, so for people to, to, to make these comments, like, cause Kurt Warner, they talked about that. Oh, you had, uh, and they named all Kurt Warner's receivers. Like, like, what does that have to do with it? Kirk Warner is just saying, 
I see something on film that I feel like is is a is a disservice to Josh Dobbs' ability. Now, can Kevin O'Connell change on a dime like that midseason? No. And and this is where and, and again, I've had internal conversations about this. It's tough for a coach to just change his game plan completely when his offensive line is not built to do with maybe he needs with the quarterback that we want him to have. Which is if it's Josh Dobbs, and he wants to run around a little bit. You got to have a little bit more of a Denver Broncos back in the day type offensive line where it was all zone run and they were small. I mean, if you remember Ben Hamilton, who played center, actually moved to guard within the Broncos system because he was able to move and he was smaller. And they wanted these little guards like the Broncos never had offensive guards bigger than 300 pounds. They were always under 300. Actually, they were almost under under 280 because they wanted that 280 to 300 pound guard that can move. They didn't go after the 330 pound Zach Martin type guys and stuff like that. And so. Within the scheme, Kevin O'Connor has to build it. And, and to my point, does, was Josh Jobs uh, done a disservice? Yes, he was. He was never put in a position that would be conducive to his game. Uh, should they have moved on? If you're not going to change, then yes. The answer is yes. And so there, just because both are right doesn't mean one has to be wrong. Like, both are right. Yes, he was done wrong. But yes, they have to move on because he doesn't do what they need him to do within the system they're trying to get out of him, which is sit in the pocket, calm your feet down, and read it. If you watch uh, the Bengals quarterback, you watch Jake Browning, He's doing exactly what Joe Burrow does. He's sitting in the pocket. He's making these throws. He's throwing the deep balls. He's throwing the, the timing routes. Now, the Steelers got him a little bit with some of their trickery, but that's what I think Kevin O'Connell's thinking. He's like, look, if Jake Browning can do it the last four weeks, why, why can't I get a quarterback to do that every week for four weeks? Jake Browning is on a heater right now. I got to go in with a guy like Nick Mullins who can give me something like Kirk Cousins. I think that's the only thing Kevin O'Connor is doing, so I don't think anything is wrong with that. But I, I do have a question for both of you, though. Um, my question is when you look at this Vikings offense and you look at what everybody's saying and, and Josh Dobbs and missing key players, do you think that's part of it too? The fact that Josh Dobbs didn't have enough time with Justin, even though when he had time with Justin Jefferson, it didn't work. Like, but do you think he did not he like him with Justin Jefferson? Maybe is a little bit different Vikings offense for him. I'll go to you, Julia, first. Like you're saying, if he just had more time with this team, would he have played? If he had more time with Justin Jefferson. Like if Justin Jefferson had never gotten hurt with a hamstring, do you think that Josh Dobbs would have maybe – I mean, because he won those games anyway, but do you think some of these other games where he struggled, just having Justin Jefferson could have been a little bit better for him on yes. the longer I mean, term? Yeah, system. absolutely. Justin Jefferson makes every quarterback look good. He would make anybody look good, right? <laughs> <laughs> it's Justin Jefferson. Um for sure, I mean, you just look back at this last game and how many drop passes were there? I mean, just ridiculous drops, too. So, yeah, I would say, yeah, if, if Justin had been there for longer, if he had been there two weeks sooner or something like that, um, potentially we could be looking at a different Josh Dobbs. Uh, will I say definitely? No, but I think that, you know, JJ can make – and he's – he said that this week in the locker room, he goes, somebody asked him about having Nick Mullen start and how different or whatever. And he goes, to be completely honest, like, I don't care what quarterbacks out there, as long as they're throwing the ball, you know, getting the ball, <laughs> people, that kind of thing. So, um, yeah, for sure. It's always, I mean, any quarterback would dream of having a receiver like Justin Jefferson out there. I think well, we still got to talk about the T-Wolves. We got to talk about the Wild. We're going to talk Gophers, NIL. We're going to talk some big college storylines as well. But I want to make sure we switch over to the defense a little bit and give Brian Flores some love. Luke, coming to you and then to you, Julia, but giving Brian Flores a little love. Last night, 
we saw the Oakland Raiders put up 63 points. They did historical things. These dudes was playing Madden video, like 21 points in a quarter every time. Like that is Madden type stuff. That is historical number type stuff. And they did it to the Chargers. Uh, whereas the Vikings played the Chargers because people, I, I tweeted that last night and I'm getting crushed by the idiots that don't realize Justin Herbert didn't play last night because they're like, well, they beat the Vikings. Yeah, because like Justin Herbert plays, not going to say they're not going to score 63, but I think some of the defensive scores probably don't happen. Uh, but also that was Brian Flores' third game with this defense and he said he had done something that had never been concocted in the NFL. So looking at what he did to the Raiders, holding them scoreless, Luke, and then you see what the Raiders offense actually can do how much credit do we now give Brian Flores? And is he like, is this basically was that game last night versus the Raiders? Like the world's noticed that, all right, Brian Flores, you need to go to the Patriots because we need you. He's the hottest coordinator in the NFL right now. Point blank, period. Both sides of the ball, offense or defense. I know Ben Johnson gets a lot of love like he should in Detroit. He'll be a head coach sooner than later. But Flores is the hottest coordinator right now. And for good reason. What's most impressive to me, guys, this was supposed to be like a mini rebuild year for the defense, for the defensive side of the ball. You lose multiple key veterans on that side of the ball. Eric Hendricks, Dalvin Tomlinson, your best defensive lineman, Zadarius Smith, an elite pass rusher, Patrick Peterson, your veteran corner. He is squeezing every ounce of talent out of what a lot of national publics, you know, kind of surface fans would think are are pretty kind of just average, okay players on paper. Nobody knew about Josh Metellus. He's turned him into a Pro Bowl type of player. He turned Ivan Pace, an undrafted free agent, into a starting Pro Bowl caliber type of player. 33 tackles in the last three weeks. So I think what he's doing with the scheme, how he's implementing each player and putting them in the best position to succeed, given their unique skill set, um, it, it, it's just some of the best coaching I think we've had here in Minnesota on the defensive side of the ball outside of the Mike Zimmer era, I think you'd have to go back to Mike Tomlin when he was a defensive coordinator here under Leslie Frazier. So yeah, it's been super impressive to watch. And again, the fact that he didn't have a lot of assets, he didn't have a lot of early draft picks or a lot of free agent money. The only free agent money they did have they used on Marcus Davenport. The guys played two and a half games. So, um, yeah, he's maximizing the talent he's been given, and that's what every good coach does in this league. Well, Julie, I'll say this. Ivan Pace Jr. was voted Defensive Player of the Week, undrafted rookie out of Cincinnati. Uh, shout out to Jason Kelsey, Travis Kelsey, and Taylor Swift, uh, the Cincinnati family. Um, when you think about Ivan Pace Jr., though, and Josh Metellus, because Josh Metellus is now getting Pro Bowl type of uh, uh, conversations. People are talking about the number of places he's lined up. There's only 11 positions on the field, but somehow he's lined up at 12. Um, that's what the funny. <laughs> that's the funniest thing to me, Luke. I don't know if you noticed that or you, Julia. Like when people were tweeting that out, like he's lined up in 12 positions. I'm like, you do realize there's only yeah, right. 11 on the right. field. Like, right. just say he lined up at every single position besides nose tackle. Right. Uh, because when somebody said that, I'm like. That's not an actual position that you just named right there. Because I forgot what they called the one spot. They tried to say, like, he lined up at left linebacking rush end. And I'm like, that's outside linebacker. Like, right. don't give it a new name. They're getting a little cute there. Yeah, yeah. they're trying to yeah. say 12 positions. I'm like, where's the 12 spot at? Like, right. there's not Still 12 impressive, spots. impressive, but they're Still pumping impressive. it up a little bit. Uh, but when you think about oh, Josh no. Metellus, huh? <laughs> We yeah, think about, they listed like left inside linebacker, right inside linebacker. Right. Like they're inside All linebacker. All the linebacker positions. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, come on now. Like, stop, stop it. Stop it. Like, stop. you're trying to add on to, to make him look crazy or better than he is. You know, he's great, though. But you're, you're adding too many positions in there. But, but, Ju or Julia. Yeah, your name is Julia. I don't know why I was about to call you something else. <laughs> 
It felt weird. I'm like, who is Julia? <laughs> it just didn't feel right. It just out. didn't feel right. Uh, but Julia, when you think about that, though, Ivan Pace Jr., Josh Metellus, um, like what what is Brian Flores doing to get the most out of these guys? Um, well, I, I think you have to run it back all the way to when he got here, right? We spent training camp talking to uh, these guys and you ask every single one of them, like, what do you like about this new scheme with Brian Flores? And all they have to say really is like, he just lets us do whatever, <laughs> right? And we use the, we use the buzzword controlled chaos all the time. Right. When we talk about this defense, I think it's also um, I feel like he has taught them how to communicate with one another um, in a way that's different than obviously what they were doing last year. Um, and and I think it's just it's just mostly. Well, and also it doesn't hurt that they all really like the guy. Right. Um, but yeah, this year, just and I think it's like Luke said that. Josh Metellus and Ivan Pace are testaments to what Brian Flores is capable of. You take anybody and, and you make them a star. Um, but, yeah, this year I, I think it's just been letting the guys figure out what their strengths are and then building confidence in what they're good at. And and it definitely carries over to the field. I, said, I remember when they were about to open their season and I was doing some live shots and I was on the morning show. They were asking me, like, what's different about this defense this year? And I said, you know, it could be rough here for a few weeks, but then I think they're really going to get it together. And that's kind of how it played out. I feel like the first few weeks we were like, oh, God, <laughs> what's happening? But everything is for sure clicking now. But I think about halfway through the season, we were like, wow, okay, now we see what they're trying to do. But I think the difference this year has just been Brian Flores has figured out how to make guys comfortable in what they do best. Yeah, yeah it Brian. was definitely a little trial and error there those first three weeks. Made some adjustments. That Panther game week four, though, was when I felt like it started to really click and they got some confidence and like, okay, we believe in what we're doing here now. We've seen it. We know we can do it. Let's go do it consistently every week. For sure. You're right. I, I wouldn't even say Panthers. Panthers suck. Like, I think the Panthers make every team look like they're clicking. Like, they, they, they it's trash. I think they like, needed it. I like, I think the one it. for me, honestly, like, I honestly think in the losses – he started to figure it out. Like, I think it was the Chargers game. I think when he realized, like, a guy like Justin Herbert, because he said, he said, I had to start because of oh, the Falcons. That was the one. So if you think about the Chargers game and then through there and then to the Falcons, when Josh Metella said the Falcons coaches were, like, screaming out stuff to their defense, I mean, to their offense from the sideline, like, trying to say, like, this guy's going to blitz this time. This guy's going to blitz. And every time they were wrong, I think that's when they all started to realize, like, this is how we truly disguise. Like the fact that we could disguise so well that they didn't know who was coming in the Falcons game. I think that's when they started to click because the Panthers, I think was a confidence booster. Like, okay, we can win a game because if you think about it, they had not won a game yet. And that was like a shoot. Like if we go and four, we are trash. Like we have no shot at this. And I think that was the confidence they needed. And then from there, I think they started to grow. So yeah, I think that the, the Panthers for sure, Luke was a confidence booster. Mm -hmm. uh, but I think the clicking was the Falcons game. I think in the Falcons game, he really got had those guys understanding, look, this is not conventional, so take it out of your mind. Like, stop thinking because you're the middle linebacker, you're not going to be my far right corner in cover three. Like, it's so weird, but if you think about Madden, and somebody said this the other day when I – or sorry, no, it hit me the other day when I was looking at Madden. 
and I don't play it, but I was looking like people always post like their favorite coverages on Madden. I don't know if you saw that, Luke or, or mm-hmm. Julia. Like that's a new I thing did. in the NFL. Like Justin Jefferson just did his favorite play on Madden. He's gonna sign and give to people, which is basically just four verticals. Of course, Justin, four verticals <laughs> will be your favorite. Four play. Birds. <laughs> and if you look at the play though, because it has the middle, the middle is three by one, or yeah, three by one, four verticals, but that middle guy runs the deep over. That's the play at LSU when he scored his like third touchdown, I think. So mm. it's 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 like people have to you have to really break it down to understand why he loves that play. It's the LSU play. Him and Joe Burrow mm. ran the crap out of that against Alabama, and that's when I think well, it was four touchdown game. Um, and so when you think about, sorry, Julia, I didn't I didn't want to bring up LSU too much for you. Uh-oh. Uh, <laughs> but but the defensive one is just cover three cloud, which. If you do Madden and you bring everybody up to line scrimmage and then you kind of let the computer control your defense from there, they'll still all run to their spots. And I think that's where Brian Flores is kind of playing now. He's, he's maddening it kind of where you, you think like, oh, wait, there's 11 guys or eight guys in line of scrimmage. There's no way they can run a zone with eight guys in line of scrimmage. It has to be some type of man with a blitz. Nope, it's a zone. And you better haul tail to get back there. And he just has guys like Josh Metellus and Harrison Smith that are able to do it. So I think the Falcons game gave him some confidence too. Also, and, and, and Ron, good you either, played though. in the league. The communication needed to be able to run zone, not man back there, has to be on another level. And I think, yeah, and correct me, it's the Raiders. Like that's why the Raiders got rid of uh, what's his name, number twenty-four, uh, Marcus, Marcus Peters. Peters. Yeah. yeah, because he he was not communicating in zone. Like that's uh, unfortunately. Josh Jobs didn't take advantage of it and maybe getting rid of him helped the Raiders out a little bit. Maybe I don't know. Cause they've been pretty good. They've, they've given up. I mean, they gave up a lot of points to the, uh, to the chargers, but that was only because they were winning and they didn't care anymore. Uh, but they gave up three points to the Vikings and they basically didn't give up anything to the chargers until late. So, Maybe getting rid of Marcus Peters in that locker room. Pierce, yeah. you know, yeah. Pierce figured it out. Like, hey, man, like, I, I've been a player, man, and you're the cancer on this team. Like, I got to get rid of you. And so he got rid of – and imagine that, being a young 40-some-year-old coach, you are boys with this dude, mm-hmm. and you got to cut him. Yeah. Like, that's yeah. a tough Peter, – Peters, I will say, has a bad track record with that type of stuff just in general anyways. He's kind of flip-flopped around. Amazing talent. First-round yeah, pick. Oh, no, he's, Trey Wayne's he's draft. But, yeah, he's he's had some struggles, I think, with yeah, that he's getting old. He's getting old. But, yeah, but, but when you look at this defense, though, I think Brian Flores is doing some unconventional stuff. Speaking of unconventional, Julia brought it up. Nas Reed. Nas Reed led the team in scoring. Like, I saw that, and I'm like, whoa, what? I had to wipe my eyes again. Like, wait, did that actually happen? Like, like no Rudy Gobert big time game. No, no cat. No Mike Conley. Like Nas Reed. Because when I saw the the picture, it was Nas Reed and Luca, and I'm like, why is Nas Reed and Luca the headline on ESPN? Right. Well, Nas Reed dropped 27. We'll talk about that. The number one Timberwolves team in the NBA, the best team in the world, in the whole wide world, people. We're going to talk about that and much more. But before we do that, we have a word from our sponsors. Thanks, Ron. Quick reminder, today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets when you win any $5 money line wager. That's $150 in bonus bets when you throw down just $5 on any money line wager. Personally, this week, I love the 49ers. I think they're a lock this week versus the Cardinals. Throw five bucks down on them to win and get your $150 in bonus bets back If you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there's no better time to get in on all the action. The app 
It's so easy to use. And they got everything you need. Money lines, parlays, prop bets, you name it. They got it. FanDuel's got everything you need to bet in the entire NBA season. And it's by far the easiest and simplest betting app to use. Go check it out for yourself. Visit FanDuel.com slash locked on. That's FanDuel.com slash locked on today. America's number one sports book. FanDuel, official partner of the NBA. Well, people, we got to talk about these Timberwolves. They're doing great. Luca, no, no Kyrie though. I'm not gonna, I'm not, I'm not gonna act like that didn't matter. No Kyrie, but Julia, take it away. Yeah, um, they're going to the Super Bowl, right, Ron? <laughs> yes, the Super Bowl of basketball. <laughs> we got to keep going. that alive. We're going. <laughs> we'll never live that down. We're so um, close. We're so close. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> so I, I think back to the summer. When was the summer? when they uh, gave Nas all that money and we were like, you know, he's a talented guy. I remember before last year's season started him talking about how different his off season training was getting ready. And we were like, I don't know, I don't know about this guy. And then we were like three bigs. What are we doing? Timberwolves. We don't know what's going on. Right. Um, and then he has a game. Like, I mean, he's been consistent, right. This entire season for the most part, but then he has a game like last night like you said, Ron, 27 points, uh, a career best seven threes, which is how many the Mavericks made as a whole team last night, I believe. Um, Chris Finch said post game, he's been, he said, quote, he's been our most consistent bench producer, does it in a lot of different ways. He gives us another gear in transition. He's his off the dribble game has been great. I mean, it's just like they they were behind by I don't remember what the biggest deficit they were in last night, but he had 19 points in the first half alone, and he's the one that put them over the Mavericks in in the first half and uh, at the end of the second quarter. He's just I mean it, it's amazing to me. I think one of the questions that I had when we were talking about what we were going to talk about today was like what's different about this Wolves team, and I think that one of the big things that's working for them is just being able to spread the wealth. Right. Mm -hmm. I feel like every time the Wolves have a big win or a big game, it's somebody different that we're talking about that, that did something wonderful or whoever stood out. Um, but man, Nas Reed last night, I mean, he shows a lot of promise and, and doing that at this time of year gives you a lot of hope for the future. So, um, yeah, biggest takeaway. It's an easy one from last night. It's just Nas Reed. Also, the Timberwolves are the only team in the league that hasn't lost two games in a row, mm -hmm. which is so different than last year. Cause I remember last year when the wolves would, would lose one after coming off some kind of winning streak, everyone is like, Oh, here we go. We're going into a rut, right? Mm -hmm. This is where the losing streak starts. And they have yet to do that. I mean, everyone still kind of braces themselves. I think a little bit, like when you lose to the Pelicans, you know, you're like, okay, that's the end of it. There's the shoe it's dropped. But um, to be the only team in the league that hasn't lost two games in a row is just insane. I'll say this. I know, Julia, that was a great point about the money. Nas Reed's money for me, too. I was that person. Not going to lie. On the basketball party, as soon as we started it, I was just like, I don't get it. I don't understand why you need to pay him that much. But then I started to look at average salaries in the NBA. Nothing against today's NBA player. But the money is getting ridiculous for role players. Like, I, I think that's the part of it. But I'm all for capitalism. I'm all for players making as much money as they can in this sport because they the owners definitely are making billions. When you see uh, the Mavs owner sell his stake for $3.5 billion 
not million, billion dollars, and he only bought it for like 800 million. So 3.5 billion is what his team is worth. So if a player is asking for 36 million, 26 million, hey, go ahead. Like they, they've earned it. They're making you a billionaire. You could pay them. But Nas Reed putting up that 27 to me, that just showed me that they have so much talent on this team. When you look at Anthony Edwards, uh, you know, his he's coming back to the to the uh to the to the pack because some of his nights right now are due to injury he's not scoring as much you know having a nine point game i think is what he had eight or nine points uh he's back to 24 and a half he was averaging close to almost 30 but now he's back to that 25 point game range uh he'll he'll have some explosive games where he goes back for 30 40 i know he's i know because the fact that he bought up this michael jordan interview i know giannis's uh 64 has now motivated anthony like anthony edwards is like you know what I got to have a Kobe Bryant olive game. I need to have 81. I got it. Like, I know it's coming at some point because he's that guy. Like he's that guy that if he's hot, he's going to go. Now can cat and all those guys sit back and just pass from the ball. Like the Lakers did for Kobe or like the bucks did for Giannis. That is to be seen. Like, we don't know if anybody is selfless enough. I know, I know Mike Conley is, I know Rudy Gobert is, but I don't know if cat is that selfless where he's willing to let Anthony Edwards go for 50 or 60 or 70 points. Uh, but I would love to see that. But when you look at that team of scoring, yeah, Carl Anthony Towns, Rudy Gobert, Nas Reed now averaging 12, has jumped into that top four. Mike Conley right behind him at 11.4. And then you got Jaden McDaniels, 9.8. You got Nikhil Alexander-Walker that can give you 20 on the night. You got Kyle Anderson that gave you 20 on the night if you need it. So it's it's just showing that this team is not just a six-man team. When you think about the Warriors, they're a six-man team. They only have six players that are really going to give you production. The rest of those guys, who knows where the hell they're going to be at half the time. This team is deep. This team is deep enough to go and challenge now because the Nuggets, that was always the question. They didn't have Jaden McDaniels last time they played them. I, I would love to see them now in a seven-game series versus the, the Nuggets. Luke. This team sitting down last night watching this game from start to finish, they just grind you down, man. I mean, this team was down 17-2 to two, three minutes into the first quarter. Over the next 44 minutes, they won 117-84. to 84. That's a 32-point margin. They only allowed 41 points in the second half to the number three offense in the league on the road, no less. I mean, so I, I know we've talked about it before. Julia kind of mentioned it. I think this team just really believes in the style of play and who they are now, how they want to win games, what their identity is. And I think in the past, this team probably would have tried to get that entire deficit back all at once last night. That's what we got so used to seeing every night. But these guys, they just don't panic. They kind of stick together. They clearly trust Coach Finch in the game plan. That's what I'm seeing. And, and this was a huge test for them being down so early on the road, coming off the loss to the Pelicans. And again, Wolves teams in the past probably would have crumbled. This team, though, it, it's just built different. There's just a different DNA in this team right now. And once again, they show why. They're truly one of the best teams in the NBA right now. And what I thought was probably most impressive last night, their ability, Ron, you kind of touched on it, Put up 119 points when Ant goes 3 of 17 from the floor. That's been a big A topic this year. Who is this offense when Ant isn't on the court or is just having an off night? Who's the other scorers behind Ant and Cat? And, you know, last night you guys mentioned it, the bench really got them back into this one. Nas Reed, you guys already talked about it. Nah, he was outstanding again on both ends, plus 20, plus minus, which was tied for the team high with Ant. So for Ant to struggle the way he did, 
and still find a way to positively impact the game with 11 assists, making plays all night on defense, and then for the bench guys to rally this team kind of back to life after they got down so big, that was just an absolute thing of beauty. And now they get to wake up today knowing they still haven't lost a game this year following a loss, uh, like Julia mentioned. So I just think that speaks major volumes to their resiliency and ability to bounce back after a tough night. They're the real deal, guys, and, and they've been so fun to watch. 14-1 and one when leading going into the fourth quarter. That's a sign of any good team. Well, I mean, think about this, though. They didn't have Kyrie. Luka gave you 39. Yep. So I still want to see, because the, the Mavs are the number three team in the West. I, I still want to see them, both teams at full strength, like a healthy Anthony Edwards, a healthy Kyrie with Luka. Because, I mean, let's, let's be real. They were putting up 130, 140 points on teams. And so that's just the difference makers. When, when Luka can be a true off-ball guard and Kyrie can come up and – Right away, you have to decide, am I going to man Kyrie up or am I going to give some help? If we pick and roll, am I going to leave Rudy Gobert on on, uh, on Kyrie? That's some of the things we didn't see. That's what we're not seeing from the Warriors anymore. You don't see Steph in iso ball situations anymore. Just he's getting older. Like he's getting older. He can't move as quick as he used to. He still runs around a lot. But just the, the, the Steph Curry we used to see break down Chris Paul, we're not seeing that. The Chris Paul coming to their team now has slowed them down. Like everybody thought it was going to be a great situation. They're not admitting it slowed them down. So I think the, the the Wolves are at a great point to strike. This is what sucks about Minnesota sports is this feels like the year and everybody's still waiting for the other shoe to drop. Like everybody's waiting for something to happen. Like when Anthony Edwards got hurt, everybody's like, oh, shoot, here we go. He's out for the year. And then he's back. And they're like, okay, he's, he's fine. He's just going to be on a little bit of a pitch count. And then, you know, all of a sudden, uh, uh, who, who's playing? They didn't win the NCC season tournament. Now the Lakers are the best. You know, like everybody is so quick to like, what's the last thing that happened? everybody's talking about this like so like when the lakers come to town like i think what december 28th i'm excited to see that as well uh i will say this the power rankings for the wolves are one and two in the latest power rankings uh we've seen that uh espn nba.com is who i kind of I, I go off of just because it's a lot of player driven gm driven within the league so it's more peer driven than just media and nba.com continues to have the wolves kind of in that one two as well what are your thoughts on the power rankings and and, and what's been surprising to you this season luke well, first of all, it's just fun to see the national recognition. I mean, yeah, we're having a lot of fun here in state as fans that have been following this team for 30 years, but to see them get all the national love and be in the spotlight, it's just a lot of fun. It's a breath of fresh air. I think the biggest surprise to me this year, honestly, I think it's just winning the games they're supposed to win because after last year, you can't blame anyone, any fans that just have that burned in their brain into their memory, their muscle memory of a team that would constantly play down to their competition night in and night out. Five and 10, if I remember right, versus mm -hmm. the bottom five teams in the NBA last year. Just think about that stat alone. You win even half the games you're supposed to win last year versus bad teams. You're probably at least the sixth or seventh seed at minimum. So they're beating the teams in which they're supposed to beat. That's another sign of a great team. And then I know... Everyone thought the defense would be pretty good. I personally didn't think it'd be this good. I didn't know the ceiling was the number one net rating uh, defense by a wide margin in the NBA. Rudy Gobert probably playing the best basketball of his career. And I think a lot of it has to do with Mike Conley coming over and being kind of the glue, the catalyst to this giant puzzle and has helped Coach Finch do the things he wants to do offensively and defensively finally. So those are the big things that surprised me the most. And 
I'll tell you what, too. If they can just clean up some sloppy turnovers, this offense could probably run with the best in the league. Last night, for example, the first half turnovers alone, I think they had 11 turnovers, 15 to 3 points off turnover advantage for the Mavs. I mean, you think about that stat alone, it's just one of those things that between the free throws, which they got no favors at, if they can clean those small little things up, I think the sky's the limit for them offensively to go along with that championship caliber defense. And Julia, this is what I'll say. I love the NBA.com's uh, um, disclaimer. Here, here's the NBA.com's disclaimer. It says, NBA.com's power rankings are released every Monday during the season, but they're just one man's opinion, uh, you know, gathered from blah, blah, blah. I mean, you know, he probably talks to GMs and everybody else who he can, you know, get to give them information, and then he builds his power rankings from there, posts the players. It says, but if you have any problems or issues with his power rankings or questions, please email him, not us. Contact him via Twitter as well. <laughs> and they put his email on here. You can click and send him wow. an email. So he said, don't come for us. Right. It it's like, us. Hey, look, like, like it is not us. It's John Schumann. He is the one going around getting these rankings, getting the, the feedback from the players and the coaches and his GMs. I got to pull this up. I got to. That is hilarious. I was, that is so petty, too. They're like, hey, email him if you got an issue with us, not us. If you, It's one man's opinion. They are like literally saying, we don't all stand on this business. I know DK Metcalf did the whole whatever. I don't know how you do the sign language stand on business. Oh, yeah. Yeah. But uh, they're like, we're not standing on this business. This is John Schumann. Email him if you have an issue with this or contact him via Twitter. But here, Julie, I'll give you the power rankings real quick from last Monday. Now, this is before they lost because this says they were 17 and four at the time, but they got the Timberwolves number one up from number two. Boston Celtics dropped down to number two from number one. So, you know, both teams are fighting for one and two east and west. As they have, they have the Nuggets at three. They have Oklahoma City, Chet Holmgren, Minnesota Grown uh, at four. They have the 76ers at five, the Bucks at six. Uh, they have the Lakers now at seven. Now, of course, you win the in season tournament and they're going to give you, and this is crazy, Julia. They jumped from 12. To yeah. seven, the Lakers were twelfth. But when they win the NCAA tournament, all of a sudden they're seven. So again, it's definitely one man's opinion. You got the Orlando Magic at eight. You got Sacramento Kings at uh, nine, and then you got the Indiana Pacers who lost the NCAA tournament but made it to the finals at number ten. So when you hear those rankings, Julia, again, what's surprising about that to see the Timberwolves ahead of so many teams that we're just used to seeing being top teams? That's last. That's last week's. You said that's that's uh, as of December eleventh because he okay. does it every Monday. I was looking at the. Oh, I was looking at ESPN's power rankings because they have the Celtics at number one. Well, yeah, so the ESPN, yeah, it, it flip-flops. So everybody keeps flipping it. Like, I think uh, the Athletic. Jobs, it's ESPN's. The, the, uh, the Athletic had the Timberwolves at one. Mm -hmm. ESPN had uh, them at two. And then NBA.com has them at one. So, yeah, it's everybody's everybody's opinion. But, yeah, what are your thoughts on that? Or even or ESPN's? Um, well, I mean, it's like what Luke said, everyone's having a lot of fun with this right now. I think what's most surprising to me is my very first taste of Minnesota sports when I got here was two weeks into my, my job at care 11, um, the huge blockbuster Rudy Gobert trade happened. And we were all like, what <laughs> is going on? And then last season happened and we were like, why did they do that? And Tim Connolly kept kept making comments about like, this will define whether I keep my job or not. So I think we all kind of went into this season um, not expecting it to really work for them. Uh, Rudy didn't prove a whole lot to us last season. We didn't see a whole lot from him. So I think um, just seeing the impact that he's had this year compared to last year, it's almost black and white, I feel like. Um, 
like you said, Luke, he's playing the best basketball maybe of his life. At least, you know, he's at least as good as he was when he was out West. Um, but most surprising. Yeah. I, I think just after last year, I, and I, I hate to say this out loud, but um, we were just sitting, sitting there during that nuggets, the first round of the playoff. And we we're like, Oh my God you know, it's just so bad and it's not like, it just doesn't look good. And it's so disappointing the losses that they're having and this, that, and the other that going into this season, we didn't have a lot of hope for this team. So mm -hmm. just in general, the way that they're performing all, all around the board um, has been surprising to me. So I will say, you know, it's, it's a fairly, I mean, Mike Connolly obviously makes a huge difference and, and having not come in with an off season with these guys too, makes, makes a difference too. But um, just having that core group stay the same and then be able to um, turn their game around this year compared to last year has just been the most surprised, pleasantly surprising thing that I've seen from the Wolves this year. And it's cool to see them ahead of these, you know, teams that everyone talks about all the time. Um, but the Lakers and I mean, you know, they're neck and neck with the Celtics, but if you told me that they were neck and neck with the Celtics right now, um, in December, I would be like, what are we talking about the Wolves right now? So it's all just been a pleasant surprise just all around, I would say. Yeah, no, and that's the key thing about this team is like it's a pleasant surprise. They're being mentioned with some of the top. Now, the one thing I will say, no matter how far ahead they are in this lead, top media people, I'm just going to say ESPN, they continue to talk about the Lakers. Like everybody wants to talk about the Lakers. Everybody, like that's, I feel like that's what they're getting fed. LeBron, 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 LeBron. We're not going to talk about Anthony Edwards or Rudy Gobert yet because we don't want to do it yet in Carly Towns. Even though they're the number one team, we're just going to talk about LeBron. We're going to talk about Draymond Green punching people in the face. Uh, that's what we're going to talk about. But we, we we have to talk about the, there's some other stuff going on in sports. We're going to do the, the two-minute drill. Everybody knows what the two-minute drill is, fast-paced offense for the NFL team. So we're going to get a little fast-paced towards the end here. But I want everybody to know, make sure you find Locked On Sports Minnesota 24-7 on the YouTube live stream for your favorite Minnesota sports shows around the clock, people. That's 24-7. It's wild, Vikings, Wolves, Twins, and Gophers all hours of the day just go to locked on sports minnesota and subscribe to locked on sports minnesota on youtube you'll get 24 7 minnesota sports with all your favorite hosts and all your favorite shows well people in the two minute drill uh let's let's jump into this julia the wild what's going on with them so investigation just wrapped up on bill garen they also parted ways with their assistant gm chris o'hearn after an investigation into him those apparently had nothing to do with one another um they didn't give any details on the chris o'hearn one really but they did give us details about billy g um it was alleged verbal abuse by the director of team operations and player relations and they had an outside law firm come in and investigate and when they concluded that earlier this week, they handed it off to upper management and ownership. They decided it was not a fireable offense. So that is basically the resolved issue there. Uh, this is a story broke that the investigation happened and they're like, okay, that's it. Uh, <laughs> that's all that happened. That's what they told us when we reached out to them too. Um, also, um, Wild beat Calgary last night in a shootout. Philip Gustafson has been phenomenal in goal. Um, Matt Boldy, since John Hines has showed up, has really just stepped up. Marco Rossi is second in the league for NHL rookies when it comes to scoring. So good stuff from the Wild right now. Yeah, clearly. I saw I saw Brandon Molesky tweet about uh, one of the penalty shots 
they were saying one of them from the uh the the calgary team shouldn't have counted because when he got around the circle he went backwards uh i don't even know how to say this guy's name sharonagovich um i think that's right right. yeah um his attempt on the uh, penalty shot he made it but they're saying it shouldn't have counted because he when he got to the circle he kind of went back a little bit to get back to the middle which you're not supposed to be able to go backwards in a penalty you have to continue to go forward the only reason i know that because mighty ducks come on now glove side stick side he's flashy he's gonna go he's gonna go glove side because he's flashy be ready for it two Uh, minutes well (laughs) worth it yeah so uh i think that's that's the thing with uh with with the wild too is like they're 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 figuring it out Maybe the whole firing the coach, getting a new coach, new blood, kind of like the Oakland Raiders, or sorry, L.A. Raiders, Vegas Raiders. Man, I went through all three cities. Um, but the <laughs> Vegas Raiders. Got there. That's about my age. They were Oakland for me. Like, I, right. I they'll never right. not be Oakland Raiders. It's um, hard to get that out of your, your yeah. kid head, They're right? The Oakland Raiders now in Vegas. That's what St. Louis Rams, man. Uh, but, uh, Luke, real quick one for you. Uh, there has been rumored that $30,000 was given to the Gophers quarterback, Cole Kramer, to stay on a quarterback because – how do you say the name, Julia? Who's the other quarterback? Max Chickenjansky, still water pony. Chicken Jansky. Uh, so that's the only two quarterbacks they have. Chicken Jansky and Kramer. It's rumored only, and this is message boards, Reddit type stuff. So we don't know what weirdos with tin hats. You know, Luke Braun wears the tin hat. We know that. We don't know what kind of weirdos are on there making jokes and, and stuff. But rumored $30,000. $30, do you think that's too much? Do you think that's just right? Do you think that's fake? What do you think about that with, with Cole Kramer heading to this NIL bowl game? Uh, 30 grand, uh, PJ Fleck and the Gophers better hope no one explains to Cole Kramer that he holds all the power in this scenario. He's got all the leverage. The Gophers need Cole Kramer more than Kramer need the Gophers right now. He's done after this. He's ready to ride out in the sunset, but the Gophers with no Cali McManus now only have a freshman third string backup and they need to go play in this bowl game, December 26th and 11 days. So 30 grand. All right. Might sound like a lot. And it is, of course. But Kramer, he holds all the power here because without him, not only are they starting a freshman, but there's no backup behind him. So he could really stick it to him, try to squeeze every penny he can out of them, knowing they're in between a rock and a hard spot. But I'm sure that won't happen realistically. 30 grand is a lot of money regardless. And I'm sure he'd be happy to take that and start in this final gopher game of his career to kind of end on a high note in this bowl game. We'll see what happens, though. I don't know. And one quick one for both of you before we get out of here. The Vikings have announced their QB depth chart. Nick Mullins, Jaron Hall, and then Josh Dobbs. Julia, do you think that was right or wrong? Um, If we're going by what we talked about at the beginning of the show, right. I mean, Jaron knows the offense better than Josh Dobbs does. And Jaron showed a lot of promise before he got nailed in the head. Um, So, yeah, I would say, yeah, it's it's a good move. I think – both, I mean, <laughs> compared to a few weeks ago, they're lucky to have three quarterbacks as their three quarterbacks, right? right? So Kevin O'Connell said it'd be week to week, uh, determining who starts, who's the backup, this, that, and the other, just depending on what their game plan is. Uh, so I would say, yeah, Jaron Hall is probably the best choice for QB2 this week. Yeah, I can't give up on the Dobbs train. I'm still sucked in. I'm still hypnotized. But having said that, I will say it it does serve a positive purpose to get Jaron Hall more reps so you can go into the offseason with a better idea of what you have at that position because it's going to be a loaded draft class full of some great quarterbacks. It's going to be a hot topic of discussion, what we do with Kirk Cousins. You better have 
all your ducks in a row and have as much education as you can possibly have on all three of these guys, plus the draft class, so you can give yourself the best chance to move forward at that position, not just in the short term, but the long term, potentially finding a franchise quarterback. So I think it makes sense to have Jaron Hall as the number two and potentially maybe see him get some action pending how these next few weeks go. Yeah, I thought Josh Jobs should be the backup. That's just me personally. You know, you go from the starter, you get benched mid-game. I thought he would have been a good backup to Nick Mullins. I don't know, but maybe Jaron Hall's uh, Falcon start going five for six before he had a concussion. Mm-hmm. Maybe they want to see more out of him. Maybe uh, Kevin O'Connell, um, you know, wants to see what he can get out of him. Here's another one for you real quick before we get out of here. If Nick Mullins struggles versus the Bengals and is getting outdueled by Jake Browning, if they bench him, do they actually bring Jaron Hall in or do they bring Josh Dobbs back in? Luke, really quick. I think it's Jaron Hall. If he's number two on the depth chart, I got to believe and trust what KOC puts on the depth chart. They're at practice all week, not us. So I trust what they see. If he's number two for a reason, it's probably, again, for a reason. So I think Jaron Hall's the guy. Julia. Yeah, I think I agree with Luke there. Also, you know, Kevin O'Connell's probably thinking, man, I don't want to answer questions about why. <laughs> right. right. Make it stop. No oh. more. <laughs> He doesn't want to answer those questions after the game. Well, I'm Rod Johnson. That's Julia Daniels, and that's Luke Inman. We want to thank you guys for joining us today. This has been the Friday Round top, top, uh, Table on Locked On Sports Minnesota. Hey, people, have a great week- weekend, and enjoy some Bengals-Vikings this weekend. Have a good one.